Welcome to Hawks and Lavender Rose, a heart-centered podcast dedicated to community through the foundation of love, trust, and advocacy for conscious living. I am your host, Shauna Galbrand. I, along with my guests and guest co-hosts, are excited to bring you topics that affect our everyday lives as we share wisdom, awareness, experience, and the practice of vulnerability. Welcome. So nice of you to be here with us today. I'm your host, Shauna Gulbrand, and I am joined today by Cindy Springford. Cindy, thank you so much for being here with me today. So, Cindy, um, first of all, we're going to be t- Cindy and I are going to be talking about making peace with food in our bodies, mm-hmm. which is a really wonderful topic, mm-hmm. and I hope many of you have tuned in to listen. So just a little bit about Cindy before we begin. She has a varied background, including being a personal trainer, a running coach. She is a certified eating psychology coach, and you have been in the fitness industry since 1993. You currently, or Cindy currently owns her own business called Cindy Lou's Training Studio. I have been there. You need to go check it out, where she sees both personal training and eating psychology clients. Mm-hmm. So welcome. Thank you. Would you like to, uh, besides all that, would you like to tell our audience a little bit about yourself? I am 48 years old, young, 48 years young. Love it. I live in Plasto with my husband, Michael. We've been married for 18 years, it'll be 18 years in May. And I am really interested in helping other people feel better about who they are and we do that a variety of ways sometimes we do it through talking and coaching and behavior modification and then sometimes we do it through empowerment via training and helping women realize they can become stronger and better versions of themselves so that's something that I really enjoy doing lovely yeah I'm so excited to have you here today (laughs) I think this topic is it's um how do I want to say it? A lot of women deal with body image. Yeah. yeah I mean, most of the women I know deal with body image mm-hmm. and food. I mean, we all have a relationship with food. So it, yeah. hopefully, I know this conversation is going to be great. So you and I met just a short time ago. It was only five, six months ago, maybe? It was over the summer. Was it I, June, July? Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. Oh, yeah. can't wait for the summer. <laughs> we met at a women's networking club. True. And the first time we got together, we were in that Starbucks for what, two hours? Pretty close. Wow. And then we're like, oh, what time is it? (laughs) I think they're closing. (laughs) Yep. Once we sat down and we started talking, it was like the conversation just took off. And we were just talking about this before we started recording. Yeah. It's like we've known each other forever. I know it does feel like that. It's easy. You know how it's sometimes very easy. when you get to know someone it's a little awkward at first, yeah. and, you know, but it never felt awkward to me. Did no. not to me either. And I could have talked for 6 more hours that day. <laughs> we really got to go. I know. We're live so we're I can't off. drink any more coffee. <laughs> I'll jack on caffeine. <laughs> All right, so here we are, and we're going to talk about our relationship or how to make peace with food yes. and our bodies. Yes. Where would you like to start with that? I guess I should probably start with a little background about where I came from. Sure. So I lived the first almost 40 years of my life as a chronic dieter, a disordered eater, an excessive endurance exerciser. I was um, very unhealthy 
in terms of my habits. I had sustained a childhood trauma, which I think was the gateway to doing all of that, but I also grew up with a dieting mother. So I never quite felt as if I was good enough the way I was, and I always had to try to shrink or reduce myself for love and approval. You know, we always want our approval and love from right. people. Our parents. Especially when we're younger, because we don't yep. quite... We haven't stepped into our power yet. We haven't gained that necessary maturity to feel secure with who we are and okay. confident. So... Over the years, I was up and down with dieting. My mother would also uh, restrict food for me when she felt like I was gaining a little bit too much weight. She would intervene and she would, you know, basically try to control what I was taking in. And I lived in a house with a brother who was a metabolic marvel. He could eat and drink whatever he wanted. He was thin. He was athletic. You know, the whole thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and one of my earliest memories of having that distinction of, why can't I just eat like a normal person was I was maybe nine or 10 years old. And I remember sneaking into the kitchen and grabbing a sleeve of cupcakes and hiding them in my sweatshirt and going back into my bedroom, shutting the door and eating them in secret. And my thought was, why do I have to do this? But I felt compelled to do it because I didn't feel like I could have it out in the open. So that was just kind of how it all started. And again, growing up with a dieting mother, she was always very militant about maintaining a small body. And she would go on the cabbage soup diet, fiber trim tablets, Weight Watchers, every fad you can possibly imagine. So this was my example and when you're small, your mother is kind of like your hero. Right. You look to her and you think that she's the most beautiful, perfect person on the planet. So here she is picking herself apart and then she's picking me apart. So, of course, I'm going to say, well, if I think she's beautiful and wonderful and she doesn't like herself, then what must be wrong with me? Right. And that kind of started the whole thing. And then I developed early, which is always wonderful. So I remember... Shortly after the cupcake incident, having that school weigh in with the school nurse. You remember those oh, back in the day? Yeah. And oh. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Like, line them up, get on. Um, so I remember that very clearly. And I remember being a little heavier than my classmates. But again, I was also already menstruating. I got my period when I was 11. So, 11. Uh, 11. I was 11 years old, fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I didn't have the benefit of knowing then what I know now. But when you're in puberty, you're, you know, you grow out, you grow up, you grow out, you grow up. Your body's going through all kinds of changes. Right. I was growing breasts. I was becoming a woman at a very young age. I developed early. So it was normal and natural, of course, now as an adult thinking about it, that I would weigh more than people in my class. But that wasn't the way that everyone else saw it. Right. So again, well-meaning adults thinking they were trying to be helpful. And that set me on a long 25-plus year spiral of self-loathing, body hate, body dysmorphia, disordered eating, chronic dieting, excessive exercise. And it even got accelerated when I became a fitness professional because it was a way for me to practice my dysfunction in an organized setting. All right. <laughs> So I could teach two or three classes, I could go for a run, I could lift weights, I could do these other kinds of things to try to break even. But I never quite felt like it was enough. I never quite felt like I could contain it, I could control it, I could find that happiness. I could gain 10 pounds and be miserable, I could lose 10 pounds and be miserable. There was never any in between. There was, there was never, never any Never any peace. happiness. Never, never. It was, it was a constant. It ate at me, I obsessed over it, I put such a premium on my body and how it was supposed to look. And then being in the fitness industry, there's a whole lot of pressure 
because you think you're supposed to be a billboard and you think that you're supposed mm-hmm. to be the paragon or cover of a magazine. Yes, yes. So maybe I took that on myself more so, or maybe I felt the vibes from other people that felt like they needed to emulate how their instructor looked. Right. And that was kind of the whole point. It's like when you go to, you know, would you buy a car from someone that didn't drive? Probably not. So if they have these ideas or certain aesthetic goals or certain weight loss goals that they want to achieve, they want to kind of go to someone that kind of looks the part. So I sort of felt a lot of pressure to look the part. And that went on for quite a while. And then when I turned 40, I just was so tired. I was so tired of micromanaging my food. I was tired of exercising two to four hours a day. I was tired of hating myself. I couldn't do it anymore. I ran out of steam. I, I fought the good fight for a long time. I bet you did. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone that was more destructive, self-destructive <laughs> than me, and, and self-hatred. I just drove myself into the ground. And then I finally just had enough. I couldn't do it anymore. And it was like I woke up one morning and I had this epiphany. It, that's the only word I could think of to describe it. Because all of a sudden I was spurred into action. I had hit rock bottom. I knew there was no further down I could go. The only way to go was up. I had to take my own side. For the first time in my whole life, I'm like, you are going to figure this out. You're 40 years old. Become your own advocate. Knock it off. Right, exactly. So I did a whole year, basically, of self-study. I read, I call it the big three, which I can mention those books as we go through today. I read these books, and I took it piece by piece. So I believe I probably worked on the food piece first. So I basically, in the entire year of 2012 was when I did this. I think I worked on the food piece first, trying to normalize my relationship with food and heal my relationship with food and try to learn better habits around food. And then once I was able to kind of stabilize in that area, then I focused more on the body image piece. And I actually had one day where I put myself in front of a mirror because I hated looking at myself in the mirror. Lots of women do. And I wore a bikini and I stood in front of this mirror and I just looked. I wasn't judging. I wasn't criticizing. I was just looking at what I saw, and I would just mention what I saw. Like, you know, I have broad shoulders. It's not a bad thing. That's just what I saw. That's your framework. It's my framework. So I was just being objective about what I was looking at. Nice. Instead, Because it was like I was always ducking and I was always afraid to look, and it's like, no, just look at it. This is your body. This is your home. Look at it. It's yours. Yeah. So that came afterwards, and then the exercise piece, I think, was the last thing that I had to, to work through. And, of course, it was quite interesting because working as a personal trainer in a gym, going in there five to six hours a day training clients, and then I go home and sit on the couch and do nothing. Because mm-hmm. I had to stop. I, I had to stop because it was a compulsion, you know, and one person's passion is another person's compulsion, and I used it inappropriately. So I had to kind of figure out how to find my balance because I was so out of balance. And I believe that that's kind of the timeline it took. And then once I did that... Probably in 2013, January of 2013, I realized I had amassed all this experience and I had such a great transformation internally that I wanted to tell other people about it. And at the time, I didn't really see much in the way of social media in terms of public pages that had content similar to what I had just experienced. So then I started the Love Your Body Project Facebook page. So just to give me a vehicle to tell people what I had done, how it had changed me, and how they, too, could change if they wanted. And that's kind of how it all started. That's beautiful. I believe, in my imagination, uh, most women deal with some sort of body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. And we don't, let me just say for I, I haven't been able to fully 
accept my body. It has been a lifelong thing. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger, one of my parents made a comment to me. I was in a pool with a friend of mine and said, why can't you be thin like your friends? And it was just that one comment that set me in motion in a certain way. And I too, I had a mother who uh, yo-yoed, was up and down, up and down, was always, you know, exercise, exercise. I remember Jane Fonda, exercise, and then eating bags of chips and then exercising. So I grew up not accepting myself. Mm -hmm. And I think acceptance plays a huge role. It's learning how to accept that this is my body and to love it in any way that I can. So fast forward to 10 years ago when I started doing mirror work. And do you know about mirror work? I do. It's so powerful. It's so effective. And in fact, this morning I stood, I had just gotten out of the shower. I might have been right before I went into the shower. And I looked at myself, I was completely naked, and I said, this is my body. I chose to have this body for this lifetime. And yes, there are things I can be doing so this body is more healthy, but this is my home. And it's been with me for almost 53 years. Why am I fighting with it every day? I choose to practice accepting it. And though I may not know how to accept it, I'm willing to accept it. Mm -hmm. And the universe can figure out the how. That's half the battle right there, you know, is just deciding that you're going to stop fighting yourself and that you're just going to, and that, I called it like laying down my weapons. I'm going to lay down my weapons. I use the white flag. flag. <laughs> yes. Wait for the white flag. I call the ceasefire because <laughs> I had been warring against myself ever since I was pre-teen. Pre and it continued through adulthood, and it continued up until, again, my turn 40. Something about turning 40. If you haven't turned 40 yet, I highly recommend it. <laughs> it just shook me up in all the right ways, and it got me thinking that, you know what? It's time to grow up. It's time to be who you're supposed to be and stop distracting yourself with all this minuscule nonsense that you've been distracting yourself with all this time. My spiritual awakening began at 42. So it's that early 40s, I think, for women that mm -hmm. things begin to shift. I'm not yeah. saying all women, but for a lot of women, that's around the time when things begin to shift. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, so you talked about your personal journey with food, your body image and body acceptance. So did you, did you say exactly what your aha moment was when you knew things needed to change? I think it was turning 40 and then just realizing that I had spent so much time and energy into this pursuit of a smaller body at the expense of my mental health. I also want to say that the, that childhood trauma that I mentioned, I had done some healing around that trauma right around the age of 37, 38. And I really believe that the dieting and the excessive exercise and all of that, the body hate that I had. I really think that that was a clever distraction from going deep with what I had to heal from. <laughs> well, that's interesting because yesterday we were, a friend of mine and I were recording about sobriety, which is 
another distraction, right? <laughs> it's, it's what we do to take ourselves away from feeling. Mm-hmm. Instead of working towards understanding, working through the traumas, the dramas mm-hmm. of our childhood and our, and our lifetime, we distract with any number of things. Yep. Your distraction was exercise, mm-hmm. excessive exercise. Yep. And what happened to you as you started to work with your childhood trauma? Once I was able to take the necessary steps to heal from it, and if, and I think it's important to say too that it never leaves you. No, it's something Thank that you, you have to that. you have to continue to manage it, and you have to continue yeah. to pay attention to it because it can rear its ugly head whenever it, whenever it wants to. But you have to be conscious of it, and you have to be aware of it, and it's almost like you have to sort of allow it to be there and stop fighting it because you can't change it, so you have to try to coexist with it. It doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to keep you small, but you have to find a way to live with it. Right. So I think once I did that, I think it made me realize that, wow, that was really where the action was. Because, again, I was putting so much energy into the dieting and all that other stuff at the expense of figuring this out. So once I figured the big part out, I think that was really made me think of how silly and superficial this all was. But yet I was still engaging in all these practices that weren't helping me grow into my full potential. So I think I knew once I tackled the big bear, I had to get rid of all the little stuff going on. Yeah. And it's interesting how much time we spend fighting with our thoughts, with our bodies. And how is that serving us? Mm. So do you find that that fighting served you in any way? And if it did, in what way? I think it showed me how strong-willed I am, which can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It, it shows that I am, I am passionate, and when I have a strong enough purpose, there's no stopping me in doing something, I guess you could say. So I had put all this energy because I was so completely focused on this one thing. So I was... It's almost like people that are really, 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 really smart, like an engineer, for example. They have amassed all this experience and all these degrees, but maybe they don't have the social graces that maybe people of more of a balanced personality might have. No offense, engineers. But uh, I have an inner engineer. <laughs> so you understand. <laughs> yes. But they're so good at that one thing because they're so focused on that one thing. Right. So it's like specializing versus you know being a generalist. So I think that I was just so... I had so much tunnel vision about this this one thing, and it, it sort of took the place of everything else in my life because it was like the prevailing thing. I never stopped thinking about food. I never stopped thinking about how I could burn things off. I never stopped thinking about what I had to do to earn my worthiness or to earn my food. I, it was always with me, constantly. And that's why even now that it's been seven years since I completed my little study, my self-study, and I can still remember how that felt, and I am still blown away with thankfulness and gratitude that I am not in that space anymore because it was such a limiting, painful existence. Mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. And people that are dieting and they are still at war with their bodies and they still can't figure out how to make peace with themselves in that way, it just breaks my heart because I see it all the time. So now that I'm on the other side of it, I just want to kind of like pull them back and say, 
I was where you are, and it's there's a better way. <laughs> How do you react to all of the health and diet, the whole health and diet industry, mm. with all of these programs that anyone can enroll in at any time? What are your thoughts around that, about the Weight Watchers, the, uh, I don't know, what other, Jenny Craig, yeah. all of those? Yeah. Without... Oh, go ahead. I'm just, I'm not going to manage no, what you're. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I feel like where I was when I was going through all this, it's so easy to fall for it because they, these companies have identified that pain point and the pain point is your body. And they, through their clever marketing, they can kind of target these people. It's very predatory. And, you know, whether it's a shake or a pill or a restrictive eating plan or whatever, they are dangling the promise of a new you. And it's so seductive and it's so tempting because these women in particular, although men are not immune, but these women in particular have been in agony for so long. And now that they're willing to grasp at anything, it's like that desperation that they can't contain Someone's willing to offer me a solution, and I only have to starve myself to do it. Sign me up! Woohoo! Woo! So, you know, I get it. I get it. I get being in that space feeling desperate, like you need something. And vulnerable. Yeah. There's that preying on the vulnerable. Right. Because these, I'm always saying, these diet companies and these fitness and wellness, because those two words sometimes can be just as dysfunctional and disordered, these fitness and wellness products and companies, they masquerade as ambassadors of goodwill and they pretend like they have your best interest at heart, but they really just want to sell you stuff. It's yeah. capitalism. They want to sell you stuff. Right. And they are capitalizing on your poor body image to make money. How does that feel? It we, feels pretty yucky. It feels pretty yucky to me. I have so many thoughts and feelings going through my mind right now and my body. I went to Jenny Craig years ago and it was great. I lost a ton of weight. I've yo-yoed with my weight my entire life. And I know that most of it has to do with my self-worth, my self-esteem. And because I've not accepted who I am and what my body looks like, because I've always believed I'm supposed to look like, I don't know, put somebody right there. Right. I'm supposed to look like that. Mm -hmm. There was a thought I had. Thanks, Shauna. What were you going to say? Okay, so get going to the food deprivation. So I did Jenny Craig, and it's a it's a certain amount of food. You're mm -hmm. you're this is the type of food you have, and this is how much you have, and and I know what I should be and shouldn't be eating, and I don't usually use that word should, but I know this, and what I've found through my own experience, and I imagine many of you have experienced this, and we would love to hear about it is that deprivation I can't have. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't have that cookie. Well, why the hell not? Mm. Why can't you have a cookie? Nothing drives me more crazy when I hear somebody say, oh, I can't have that. Why? Why are you telling yourself you can't have something? Mm -hmm. How about this? You have a hot, and this happened to me on Christmas Eve. There was all this food. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I said, I choose to have this. Mm -hmm. I not once did I say I can't have, I can't have. For me, it's more like if I eat that, I know how I'm going to feel. If I eat that, I know what that does to my body. Mm -hmm. But this is what I really want. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law made like a cold seven-layer dip with the cream cheese and the mm -hmm. lettuce and Yum. all. The, 
and I ate that with chips. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I ate. Mm-hmm. And at one point, my mother said, that's all you've eaten? I'm like, this is all I want to eat. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat any of that. But not once did I tell myself I can't have any of that food. Mm-hmm. I made a conscious decision. I chose what I would eat and what I wouldn't eat, mm-hmm. which gave me a sense of freedom. Because when we limit ourselves, we limit our freedom. Like the word should. You should do that. Why? And then when you don't do that thing, what happens? You're in this repeated cycle of unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. So we, I could have this. Well, here's a salad. I should be eating that. Mm-hmm. When energetically I'm thinking I'm depriving myself. Yeah. And here is a cheesecake, which they didn't have, but for some reason cheesecake popped into my head. I could have this salad mm-hmm. or I could have a piece of this cheesecake. Mm-hmm. It gives me freedom. Mm-hmm. Choice is freedom. Mm-hmm. So think of it that way. Instead of looking at food and depriving yourself of, well, I'm on Weight Watchers and I can't have that. What do you think is going to happen energetically? Look at it and say, I could have this and I could have this. And so what would you say to someone who chooses something that is not as quote-unquote healthy? I would say that you're honoring what your body's asking you for. And that was the big thing that I learned when I started doing this because when you're on a diet, you are basically letting someone else tell you what to eat, when to eat, and how much. Right. But no one else can think or feel in your body. Amen, sister. So how are you going to follow what someone else says when they don't even know? That's like when you. people give advice. Oh. <laughs> we get started with no that. <laughs> Thanks, but no. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who says, well, my body seems to want a half a dozen chocolate chip cookies? Then go ahead and try it. What's the worst that could happen? You get a stomachache and you don't do it again. Do you know what I mean? We make this a lot harder than it has to be. I had a client... I'll tell this little story. She had a thing with potato chips. Now, mind you, this is a diet culture thing because when you feel like you have a weakness or you can't control yourself or you've got something with a certain food, it's a trigger food. That's another word, trigger food. That tells me that you have given your power away to the food. You obviously don't trust your body and you feel like I can't control myself or I'm just going to eat this until I turn into a house, whatever. So with this particular client, she had a thing with potato with, potato chips. So I said to her, okay, well, how many bags of potato chips do you think you need for a week? She says, what do you mean? I said, well, how many, how much do you think you need to last? Like how much is enough? How many bags of potato chips do you think that you need to have on hand all the time to feel secure? And she said, I don't know, two, three. I said, buy five or six. Because I wanted her to feel like she was never going to go without again. Because that's what dieting does. It's a scarcity Mm -hmm. mentality. So when there's not enough of something, what happens? People go, Bat, you know what, crazy. And they, oh, you can swear. Oh, here. I can't. Oh, good. Batshit crazy. <laughs> batshit crazy. I we got welcome it swears here. <laughs> People will go batshit crazy. You know what happens with the gas shortage in the 70s? There was lines of cars trying to, you know, the energy crisis. They were trying to get gas and everyone was yelling at everybody else and people just turn into lunatics when there's a scarcity involved. And that's basically what you're doing. You're doing a self-imposed famine when you're telling, my, telling yourself, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not supposed to. That's what you're doing. So you're limiting yourself, like you said earlier. So she bought all these chips, and she says, well, now what do I do with these chips? I said, well, this is going to sound weird, but if I was you, when I'm hungry, I would eat those chips, and I would just eat them until I didn't want any more. 
and then I'd wait until I was hungry again, and then I'd go back and eat those chips, and I would eat as much as I want until I felt like I had enough, and I just would continue doing that until you felt like you regained your balance with the food. Either that or until you feel like you're going to throw up. So about three or four days, she was like, I'm good. I'm like, good, because that's kind of what it is. She had to prove to herself that she can be in control and she can dictate what's going to go in and out of her mouth. And she's not under this spell of these potato chips. It's just potato chips. But she had to legalize them and she had to make it okay because it held all this power over her. So you're this, oh, I'm not supposed to. It's like when something is forbidden and you're not supposed to do it, there's this allure and there's this appeal to mm. it. Like, ooh, I'm being bad. Everyone kind of has this inner rebel inside of them, and they love to be bad. Of course. So when you put restrictions on yourself, especially with your food choices, that's kind of what happens. And sometimes, too, when you have this powerful kind of seductive forbidden aspect with food, like it's an indulgence. That's another guilty pleasure. I hate that word. Guilty pleasure or indulgence. Usually you're giving food power that is really lacking in another area of your life. Right. Well, so that's the other thing that I wanted to say. What need do you have that the potato chips are filling? Mm -hmm. And that's when feeling comes into play. I'm noticing, and and I'm, I'm making an assumption here in my imagination I am noticing, so I'm a person, I have some shit going on, I get some uncomfortable emotions and feelings. Fuck, I need potato chips. Eat the potato chips, eat the potato chips. What about before you grab that bag, checking in? Mm -hmm. What need needs to be fulfilled? And perhaps your body needs salt. Mm -hmm. It could be that. Mm -hmm. But what else? Mm -hmm. And my suggestion is always to sit in stillness, to put your phone in the other room unless you need it for music, and to sit in stillness and to ask, okay, feel into, so this is what I would do, and maybe it's Cheez-Its over potato chips. These Cheez-Its are filling some sort of need. What do I experience when I eat these Cheez-Its? It's this temporary feeling of yumminess, because I have this oral fixation, and then my belly feels yucky afterwards. Okay, great. Now, what is it that I really need? And it's not analyzing or thinking about the need. For me, it's feeling with my body. Mm-hmm. So I drop down into, and we talked about this the other day, mm-hmm. um, drop down into my feeling body, and I have this practice of being honest with myself. What is it I'm really trying to avoid? Mm -hmm. And as uncomfortable as that is, and that's a practice. Not anyone can just drop down into their body and go, all right, I'm going to feel today. Mm -hmm. It's a practice, and we have to be very kind and gentle with ourselves through this practice. And it's that acceptance of, oh, my God, this is what I really need. And I'm using Cheez-Its to fill this need. Maybe I can focus more on this. But a lot of us. We don't want to feel and we want to avoid what really those needs that need to be filled. So then we turn to food Mm -hmm. and, and I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm not saying that everybody does this, but what do you think? Do you think that's one of the reasons? Some people do. I know that for example, and it's easy to say now because I've gone through what I've gone through, but when I experience stress or anxiety, typically I don't eat, but for some people that is a way to cope. But I do think what you said is very true. A lot of people don't want to feel. They're very disconnected. 
and they're not in their bodies at all. These we talk about embodiment a lot too, and a lot of people they aren't in their bodies; they're just kind of wandering around. Yeah, they haven't. And even beyond stress, yeah, right. What about sadness? What about grief? Mm-hmm. Now this is a you can say whatever you want on the show, right? Yeah. Okay. So an example, I can't take credit for this phrase because I heard it from someone else, but the question is, why do you think headaches last longer than orgasms? Hold on, because I just had three days of headaches. (laughs) And damn, I wish it was three days of orgasms. (laughs) Who doesn't? Come on. (laughs) Tell me. Because nobody resists feeling good, but everybody resists feeling bad. So it lingers and it just kind of stays with you until you either just allow yourself to go through it or... And that's what people tend to do. They tend to just not want to feel it. They don't want to sit in it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to think about it. So they divert themselves to do something else. Yeah, I want to feel into it. And this is new for me. Like since I went to the shadow conference last May, this whole idea of feeling my way through. Mm. So I did do that over the course of, it was about two and a half days. I had just such an awful headache. And I know a lot of it had to do with muscles in my neck and my upper back. Because I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And then it was just this pounding headache. But I sat and I asked, what are you trying to tell me? What is it I'm not recognizing, not acknowledging? Mm-hmm. What message do you have for me? What need needs to be, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole host of questions that I ask mm-hmm. myself. So, yeah, we went off for a second there. But feel, right, when you're about to reach for something, when you know you don't want it. Yeah, I mean, you want it, mm-hmm. but... It's it's a distraction, like you said. And also, too, for those that have dieted off and on, dieting tends to deregulate your appetite. And you don't know whether you're hungry, you're full, you don't know whether you're coming or going, you have no idea because you haven't been paying attention. Because, again, if you're eating according to a schedule, if you're eating according to someone else's mandates, you're not listening, you're not tapping in. So people eat because it's time. You've heard people do that, right? Well, 12 o'clock is lunchtime. Well, what if I'm not hungry at 12 o'clock? Does that mean that I still have to eat lunch? It's just learning how to be more of an intuitive eater. Intuitive eating is a big conscious concept. Eater. Conscious eater, paying attention, you know. It's almost like if I were to start obsessing about, oh, I have to urinate every three hours, and I have to make sure that I have this much, I avoid this much fluid, and I have to make sure, and I'm getting all micromanaging my biological functions. Like, why would I do that? You just kind of trust your body to know you're, you're supposed right. to get rid of it. When it's supposed to get rid of it, you trust your body to tell you when you need more fluid, to take in more fluid, but yet we've made food so freaking complicated. You also, uh, so that made me think of how you say people are out of their bodies and you like to help them get back into your into their bodies. And that is a practice as well. Eat something that you generally eat and then check in an hour later. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. How did that food make you feel? And if it made you feel heavy and low, well, maybe you could eat something that raises your vibration a little bit more. But if you're still drawn to that, it's, it's, see, it's all, it, I just keep coming back to what is it you really need? What is it you really need? Mm-hmm. And come into your body. Mm-hmm. Check in. What is it I really need as you're reaching for a bag or reaching for a box? And it's okay to eat for reasons other than hunger. I tell my clients this yeah. quite a bit. 
I think once we've reconnected hunger to eating, which I think is important because that's basically what's telling you to put something in your mouth. You get right. your stomach growls, your feel may be a little, maybe a little woozy, your mouth waters. When you think about food, you start craving certain things. That's your body's way of telling you that you need to eat yeah. something. I need some energy. I need some energy. So once you are able to connect those things back together, then when you feel the need to reach for something and those things aren't present, that gives you an opportunity to say to yourself, I, I feel like I want to eat a brownie or a cookie or whatever. I feel like I want to eat X, but I don't think I'm hungry. So there must be something else going on. Is there anything else I can do in this moment to soothe myself? And if you can't eat the damn cookie, that's because that's all you have right now. It's very, very true. Eat and, the cookie. And I was, as you were saying that, I was coming to this place of self-love. Now, self-love looks different for everyone. And learning how to love yourself, well, first of all, you don't need to know how, you just need to be willing. And that can be, I recognize that I just want to stuff my face with cookies and I'm going to love myself because I'm not quite sure what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just going to do this and I'm going to love myself anyway and, and work towards uh, feeling more whole or being more in my body, whatever, you mm -hmm. fill, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And it's... Bringing it back to that place of acceptance. Okay, I'm accepting the fact that my mind is all over the place and I just want to eat an entire bag of chips. Mm -hmm. What would you say about that? I would say eat the chips. Okay. I would say eat the chips because you can't... Your body is trying to help you when it does this. And people that have, have tendencies to binge eat, it could either be because, again, they can't deal with their feelings, so they reach for the food or they haven't been eating enough during the day, so at night they're starving. So it could be a biological response or yeah. it could be a behavioral response. And it's a beautiful thing when you deprive yourself and you restrict yourself, your body will have you just like gorge. And it sounds like really unhealthy, and I know that it's something that causes people a lot of pain, but your body's trying to balance you out. Because when you withhold, now you're trying to make up for lost time because you haven't eaten appropriately for however many hours. And your body's trying to soothe you. You're, you're, you're trying to help yourself. And maybe it's not the best way, but it's the only way you know. So right. why, why sit in judgment over the fact that you have limited tools in your toolbox? Just eat the cookie. It's not a long-term solution, obviously not. And if you're really serious about healing your relationship with food, then you have to know it's not just the food. There's no. a lot more going on. Exactly. But you have to at least, when I say call a ceasefire, it means you stop attacking yourself, period. Yes. Period. I've always said that. That is, from my personal experience, the first step in self-love is releasing my need and my habit to judge or criticize myself in any way that is the and that's a practice now we, i talk about practices a lot mm -hmm. in this podcast and that is a practice that okay i just recognized i thought badly of myself whatever visualization you like to use i just saw a big x like it and i'm doing the best that i can right now emotionally i need a cookie yeah okay self-love and self-acceptance it looks different for everyone. It does. And again, you don't need to know the how. Just start by being willing. The universe will set the energies in motion mm -hmm. for the how to be figured out. I agree. What inspired you to start your Love Your Body project? So I think what I mentioned earlier in the open, I when I had gone through my journey and I was looking for content similar to what I had just experienced because obviously I had come from 
fit point fit 1.0 which was more of the deprivation more of the no pain no gain more of the eat less exercise more so there's all kinds of pages for that there's all kinds of diet and fitness pages but i was looking for something that had a balanced approach and would kind of be in alignment with what i had just lived and what i had just experienced and learned so i decided that i was just going to start this facebook page january 11th 2013 you're good with dates i noticed (laughs) i guess they just stick with me and so I remember just telling my story and I would just, whether I, I was out for a run or if I was just sitting, sitting quietly and I would just allow this inspiration to flow through me and things that I learned or things maybe I felt like I had to tell because sometimes you just have this urge to share something and yeah. you don't really know why you have the urge to share it. But nine times out of 10, there are ears out there that need to hear it right. and you're the vehicle. So it's your responsibility to get it out there. And that allowed me to do that. It gave me a platform to kind of share these things. And then I just basically invited all my Facebook friends to like the page, and then they would share it. And then eventually people that I never even knew and heard of were starting to comment and send me private messages and say, thank you for sharing your story, and I could relate so much to what you said. And then they were starting to ask me questions. And it was amazing how many people it touched, and I guess I just never quite realized how powerful one's person's experience can be. Oh, yeah. And how it just has, like, a global effect. Yes. So... That's beautiful. Um, why do you think weight loss is an ineffective solution for self-esteem issues? Because you're still going to be you, and you're probably not going to like yourself Wait a anymore. It's January 2020. <laughs> Isn't that New Year, New Me? <laughs> new Year, same. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm no. not sorry. I'm not apologizing. I am not. <laughs> this is how I feel. You're still going to be you, and. That's your body's not the problem and your body takes the blame for things it shouldn't all the time because nine times out of 10, the client that comes into my studio to work out that wants to shrink her thighs down, her thighs are not the problem, but her loneliness might be. That's what I'm saying. It's those emotions. Mm -hmm. You're a soul in a body and if your soul's sick, then you're going to probably do things that are not really healthy and sometimes that means picking yourself apart how many of you pick yourself apart probably a lot of you how many of (laughs) you apologize for something when you meet someone oh sorry about my hair this morning it i didn't even notice your hair Mm -hmm. right think about that i also found too that people that need approval and maybe they will go on these diets or they'll lose a lot of weight or they'll get bariatric surgery again no judgment people have their processes but They'll do all these things and then they'll lose the weight. And then it becomes this whole other set of pressures because now they have to keep it off. Right. Because look at all this attention, all this love and all this approval and all these girls I'm getting. God forbid I put the weight back on, then I'm going to lose all of that. So then it becomes even a heavier burden to carry. No pun intended. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a racket. That's interesting because my next question to you was, what is di- why is dieting so damaging and ineffective? Uh, well, it's psychologically damaging, damaging as well as physiologically damaging because the yo-yo dieting, you gain 15 pounds, you lose 10 pounds. You gain 20 pounds, you lose 15 pounds. That up and down, up and down, up and down physiologically is not healthy for you anyway. I mean, they have said in no uncertain terms that, and again, I'm not a big weight person. I'm not a big height weight chart person. I'm not a big ideal BMI weight person. But if a person is maybe 20-ish pounds heavier than the, another person their same height and their same age, that's probably healthier if you maintain a certain weight over time than if you're up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, because it puts a lot of pressure on your heart, and it's really not good for you. Right. All that yo-yoing, it's really not good for you. It's not good for your organs. It's not good for your health. So it's damaging physically in that regard. 
it's also damaging psychologically because it keeps you apart from having a healthy relationship with food. Eating is a biological imperative. When people say that they're food addicts or they're addicted to food, well, yeah, so am I, because you need it. Right. <laughs> you have to eat. No one has figured out how to live yet without eating. You have to eat. So I don't buy this whole, I'm a food addict. No, you have to eat to live. I mean, cigarettes is one thing. Alcohol is another thing. You know, those substances, you don't need those necessarily to live your life. They can be very compelling and they can be very powerful and they can be very addictive substances, but it's not like food. Food is a whole other ballgame. You need to eat to live. End of story. So you have to figure out how to make peace with that. You have no choice. So either you're going to get those prepackaged meals and let someone else tell you what to eat, when to eat, or how much to eat, or you're going to learn how your body works and work with it instead of against it. Those are your choices. Dieting's not going to do that for you. Hmm. Wow, you're giving me so much to think about right now. <laughs> I'm trying to stay on track here, and I keep going way over here. And We're going to have to have, like, 20 episodes of this show. <laughs> Cindy will be back on. I'll be back. <laughs> what are some common miscon- misconceptions? Wow, Shauna tries to talk. Take two. I know, I tried to say potato chips. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> what are some common misconceptions about weight loss and dieting? I think oftentimes people say, when I lose the weight, I'll be happy. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And dieting is, oh, it'll it'll teach me self-control and willpower, and it'll teach me how to eat right. You know, I don't think that we need to learn how to eat right. <laughs> I don't. You. I think that... Stay on the outside of the store. Yes, pretty much. That and, you know, again, we give food a lot of power, and it's the whole scarcity mentality, right. and it's the labeling of food. So when we say a food is good or a food is bad, we're essentially saying, I am good when I eat this and I am bad when I eat that. Interesting. And people say that all the time. I've had clients and I really tried to limit the food talk in my, in my studio because it's not productive and, and nothing good comes from it unless, hey, I have this great recipe. You want to try it? Oh, good. But if someone says, oh, I was so bad over the holidays, I'm like, no, no. what do you do? Did you rob a bank? I tell them to stop. <laughs> I tell them to stop. I'm like, no, no we're not going to do that here. We don't talk about that here. But it's not because it's not helpful. It's not helpful when people do that. And... I think that we really need to redefine what it means to have a healthy relationship with food. And labeling food as good or bad is not how to go about that. And saying that junk food, for example, junk food is not a good label either because food is food. And you have to put it all on a level playing field in order to make peace with it. doesn't mean that you're going to eat it all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm going to eat Doritos all day, every day. But if I eat, if I eat a Dorito, the sky's not going to fall. And I'm not going to all of a sudden be this horrible person. No one's going to arrest me because I ate a Dorito. No, it's just food. Food is just food across the board that's a really interesting way to look at it not looking at food as good or bad just even the playing field it's just food because you know how the how that goes when people say oh, i was so bad i eat a, i eat a cookie i'm like did you steal it well no of course i didn't steal it <laughs> <laughs> did you steal it <laughs> well then why is what's wrong with it wow you know i never really thought about it that way yeah words are powerful remember oh this i know but that i'm so grateful that you even just said that because I understand that words are powerful. I can't have that. Mm-hmm. Or I choose not to have that. Mm-hmm. I never looked at it as, oh, God, I've been so bad. I've been eating so bad today. Mm-hmm. I'm not being bad. Define bad. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to put it all on a level playing field. Have it all neutral food. Mm-hmm. And then I look at it as, that has higher vibration in it. That has lower vibration in it. Mm-hmm. 
what do I want to put in my body right now? See, it's all about choice. All about choice. And, and choice is freedom. It is freedom. And when you decide you're going to be the one making the choices instead of letting something or someone else make the choices for that's you. That's power. That's power. And that's that's where I get my backup when people offer advice. Well, what happens when that advice doesn't work out for you? It's their fault. It's their fault. Because blame feels that, better than guilt. That go, but that <laughs> also goes to personal responsibility. Exactly. And we both know that lots of people don't want that responsibility of making the choices for themselves. Where personally, I, I'm all about that. They want to complain when things go wrong, but they don't want to do the work necessary to make it right. Right. And, and it's easier. I mean, just, no, I'm not going to go there. Mm -hmm. But if so, if you're sitting here and you give me a piece of advice, and I've had this happen in my life mm -hmm. many times, I listen to it, I run with it, and then I'm like, oh, that didn't freaking work out for me. Yeah. And what that's done for me is... Mm -hmm helped me to realize that I'm my own authority. I maintain my own counsel that I sit with mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I know my own answers. Yeah. But I'm also all about personal responsibility. That's why you never see me take to Facebook. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you guys, do you guys have any advice about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Though I love people's input. Don't For get sure. Me wrong. Absolutely. So what tips would you have to help people make peace with food in their bodies? So the first thing I would definitely say is tell yourself you're never going to diet again because there's nothing gained from doing it. Dieting has about a 95% failure rate. It's really? Not about 95%. Think about all these commercials that you see, the Nutrisystems and the... Jenny Craig's and the Weight Watchers, and they can rebrand and they can co-opt body positivity all they want. It's a freaking lie. It's a lie because they don't want you to succeed. Because if Weight Watchers worked, it would work once and they would be closed. We would have no more Weight Watchers open. They keep you on the hook. They want you to come back over and over and over and over again. If it's not sustainable for life, it is not sustainable at all. And it's it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work for a lifetime change. Any other tips? I would definitely say you don't have to love yourself, but you can decide to stop hating yourself. you got to start somewhere. Start where you are. And I know that gets used quite a lot, but you need to just start where you are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think they need to be further along. It's like people that clean the house before the cleaning lady comes or people that, you know, brush and floss before they go to the dentist. You just need to start where you are. It's messy and it's uncomfortable and it's probably, you're probably going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's called life. You just got to take it one step at a time. What do you think would happen? I'm just sticking to women here. Not that I dislike men. I love men. Mm -hmm. What do you think would happen to the industry if women all decided to start loving and accepting themselves? I think we'd see a lot fewer commercials. I think we'd see a lot fewer magazines being sold. I think that a lot of these companies would just go under because they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves financially because we would be making our own decisions and we would decide that we're going to stop playing small and we deserve to be nourished and well-fed and we deserve to be happy with who we are. That's the whole point. And I'm not going to allow a commercial on TV or some celebrity spokesperson to make me feel good about about myself. That's my job. That just leads me to think that so many of us are looking outside ourselves for answers, mm -hmm. you know, or the help that we need. And yes, 
I'm not discounting the need for people to go out if they need help, right? Mm -hmm. But what about looking here? Hmm. Instead of running to this weight loss program, coming here instead, sitting in stillness. I've decided to use stillness instead of meditation for a while to see how that feels because I know the word meditation can scare people. I don't know how to meditate. (laughs) Can you sit still? Are you willing enough to just sit still for five minutes? And just keep calling your spirit back from anything out there Mm -hmm. to here, to present moment. And ask yourself empowering questions. What's really going on? How can I fill this need myself? What are my needs? That self-reflection leads to that that sense of personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And yes, you may decide... All right, I, I, I need some accountability. So, you know, going to Jenny Craig gives me that accountability. And at the same time, I'm learning really, even though I honestly believe with you, we already know what to eat. Mm. I don't know. I'm just playing all this out in my head. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do need a little help here. And as you keep with the introspection, you're going to realize that over time, you're not going to have to look out here. Mm-hmm. That it's all here. All your answers are here. Mm -hmm. The food that you want to eat, all you have to do is tune in and listen to your body. Mm -hmm. And when you're feeling like you need to eat a dozen chocolate chip cookies, great, have at it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what emotion am I trying to to make feel better? That's not the. That's not how I really wanted to articulate that thought. Mm You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What's really going on? Yeah, what's yeah. really going on? And are you willing to look at what's really going on? Most of the time, people don't know there's, there's that much to it. They just assume that they're, again, because they pursue these goals of a smaller body under the guise of health and wellness. You know, they just assume, well, well, you know, I have to lose weight to be healthy. Like, well, who told you that? Well, everyone tells me that. Well, why do you think they're telling you that? What does that mean? And when they say healthy, I'm like, well, what do you, what do you think health means? What? That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there. We are going there. <laughs> You're right, because I could totally go off that. <laughs> wow, this was a really good discussion. Yeah. And I want to keep going, but we'll, we'll, we'll do this again. Oh, for, for sure. For sure, because this was just the tip of the iceberg here. <laughs> and I have, like, so much going on in my mind. Are there any last pearls of wisdom you would like to leave the community? Or offer the community. You're stronger than you think. Amen. And sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. But if you try this new way of thinking and being around food in your body, you can always go back to the old way. What's What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. I say that so much when it comes to releasing the need to judge or criticize that habit. Yeah. If loving yourself, if thinking positively about yourself doesn't work out, you can always go back to beating yourself up. I mean, it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. So at least give it a try, right? right? Mm -hmm. My pearl of wisdom, I just had it and I just lost it. Damn it. (laughs) Be willing. Be willing to understand what it means to love yourself. Mm It's different for everyone. And love is not easy. And love doesn't always feel like puppies and rainbows. No. 
puppies are awful cute. They really are. <laughs> Cindy, how can people find you? So you can find me on Facebook. Cindy Lou's Training Studio is my public Facebook page. You can also find me as Love Your Body Project Health Coaching and Personal Training. And my website, cltrainingstudio.com, will be live in about a week or so. I think you can still find it, but we're still tweaking it. And I still have loveyourbodyproject.org, which is going to be up until cltrainingstudio.com is completely finished. Great. The only social media platform you're on is Facebook. Are you on Instagram? I or? do have an Instagram as well, cltrainingstudio.com. I'm a bit of a techie noob, so I'm still trying to navigate doing that. Yeah. Facebook was the first platform that I got comfortable using. But I, I am on Instagram as well, cltrainingstudio. Excellent. Yeah. My name is Shauna Gelbrand. I believe I'm the only Shauna Gelbrand in the entire world, so just just Google my name. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, my website, shaunagelbrand.com. Cindy, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you. It was great. Until the next time. Yes, ma'am. Bye, community. Bye. Have a beautiful day.